from the RK2 release. That is Stephen Piercy and uh, our good friend, Fred Corey. Yeah, Fred. From Cinderella. Yep. Arcade. Get off my back, bitches. Arcade. Love Arcade, man. Arcade was shit, dude. Yeah. Like uh, Stephen Piercy, just in general. I do. I I was saying in the chat room, I even like that Vertex record that he did, that Nine Inch Nails thing that yeah, he did. Yeah, that's when Robbie Crane kind of came into the picture. Yep, I like that too. That's good shit. Yeah. Good stuff. Like like Rat, like loved Arcade. Arcade was my favorite of everything Steven did. Yeah, because it, it broke away from the 80s, you know, slick produced over the top hair metal thing and was right. kind of more stripped down. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when Cinderella kind of went on hiatus and uh, Fred Corey joined up with Stephen Piercy and Rat was on hiatus. They were kind of doing their thing in the 90s when uh, what they were doing was not fashionable or popular. Got to say, one of the best one-two punches in concerts I ever saw was out at the old Empire Club. Right. One night it was Arcade. The next night it was Widowmaker. Nice. That was a good one-two punch of guys doing different things other than their main band. Sure. So Twist, Twisted Sister was kind of like, uh, you know, broken up or on a hiatus. And yep. Rat was on hiatus. And Dee Schneider out doing uh, Widowmaker and Stephen Piercy and Fred Corey from their respective bands doing their arcade thing. Hey, this is Frankie Wilsey. Yeah. It was kind of a kind of a weird time for music because yeah. everybody was so displaced. Yeah, wasn't Wilsey in that band? Yeah, too? he was. Yeah, Frankie Wilsig. And he's from what? Um, um, sea Hags, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that was a that was a cool, weird conglomeration of a band, but they they kicked ass. Yeah. Live. Yeah. No, people just kind of were didn't know what to do because the whole the whole scene kind of changed. Right. And so what? Piercy and in uh Frankie Wilsig and and uh Fred Corey were doing was it wasn't hair metal. Yeah. But it wasn't grunge either. It was just kind of rock. Yeah. And I noticed that uh you know if you listen to the arcade CDs they relied very heavily on that on that bass line. Oh yeah. That was a very big component. Just about mm-hmm. every one of their songs was like a heavy bass line. Yeah, it's like if you listen to on the first record, Living Dangerously, that's all bass, other than that that very first riff at the beginning. Right. When Steven comes in with a dirty cheap sleazy in a Hollywood bungalow, and it's all bass. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Fucking cool, man. I, I you know, I, I respect Steven for what he's done and, you know, the longevity that he's had in a career doing different things. You know, it's not always been good stuff. No. But he's tried different things. Yeah, because he had what was the other one that was really bad that uh, with the lips, the vicious delight or something. Yeah, no, uh, something delight. Uh, shit, uh, I don't remember what it was. Like virtually delight or something, something like that. And that was not good. <laughs> he's had some real clunkers on um, Top Fuel, but 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 he's tried though. He's tried different shit. I'll give him credit for that. He has definitely tried some different things. You know, the only thing that I would definitely. Yeah, and I would tell Steven this, too. The only place that I feel like he really kind of fucked the fans a little bit was by releasing. And, and, and I'll say that I was one of them that bought it. So I'll no disclosure, full disclosure, I fucking feel like I got ripped was when he released, like, Arcade 3 and Arcade 4. Yeah, which, that was 
subpar. Just shitty demos. Yeah, they were subpar. They were just shitty demos. Not even produced. Just shit. Yeah, they were like almost practice sessions. Yeah, they were they were not good, but but I bought them and I was like, oh, "Come on, Steven. You owe me better than that, don't you?" <laughs> right. You know, I supported you. Come on, dude. Was it vicious delight? Vicious delight. Isn't that what I said? Yeah, I think that's what you said. Yeah. That that that's what it was. Mm. Not good. Yeah. Then that, you know, that that whole uh industrial thing he did. Vertex. Yeah, Vertex was just kind of out of left field. You just didn't expect Stephen Piercy to do something like that. Yeah, it definitely didn't fit his character or yeah. what he was doing. Yeah, that whole one like a son. Yeah. You didn't like that? It was okay. I mean, I didn't I played it on the show when, when I started doing the CMS back in ninety six, that's when that came out. Right. I played it on the show. What did you like more? Vertex or two? Oof. I'll, I would take Vertex over two. Yeah, two was really not very good. Boy, that was tough to listen. Yeah, two was definitely not good. Yeah, I didn't. I did not dig that at all. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was a weird time for music in the like from ninety three, ninety two, mm-hmm. ninety three to ninety seven. Right. That was a really, you know, there was it was just so nobody had a direction at all. No. Well, it was a rudderless ship because all these guys that that were making, you know, don't forget, they went from making, yeah, I don't know what these guys made on their deals, but they were making millions of dollars to literally none. Yeah. And all of these guys were completely buffoons. You know, as far as the hair metal guys, I can't say this about all the bands, but all the hair metal guys, they were buffoons. They were all fucking running around. How many guys do we know that tell the stories about when they owned 10 cars and when they owned five houses and, you know, they were all wasting their money. Yeah. None of them, I don't want to say none, very few of them saved their money. Almost none of them. Don's one of the few I know. Well, Don, I know for a fact because Mm -hmm. he's, you know, told me about it, obviously, Mm -hmm. because I've been friends with Don for 20 years, but. You know, he told me how he invested his money into Motorola. Right. And Motorola had a very big, um, you know, stock dividend in the in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And he made a lot of money off of, you know, Motorola. And when he signed with Geffen Records yeah. for his Don Dockin band. The solo record. Yeah. Right? He they paid him two million dollars for that. Wow. Just for that record alone wow yeah because i mean he was coming off of a you know he's what off the back for the attack right yeah but but there was a there was about a three-year gap there between mm-hmm. back for the attack and the time that it re- re- released the don dock and up from the ashes right but he he got in just under the wire too. he did he did before the grunge thing hit yeah that don dock solo record was huge if he would have done that record a year later, he wouldn't have sold dick. True. He'd have sold 20,000 copies yeah. of it. But but like I said, Geffen paid him $2 million yeah. for the Don docking up from the ashes. But Don would be the first one to tell you like anybody else, he blew a shit ton of money early. He did. He Like all the rest, he blew a shit ton. He just, 
he got fortunate with some really good shit happening at the right times for him. Right. You know, the, the Don Doc and solo record with the big money. And then didn't he, he did like a really big tour at that point as well. Didn't he? Yeah. It was mostly European and Japanese. Yeah. But he, made he, he didn't money. really, he didn't really tour the States much for no, that. He didn't need that, to for that release. Right. But, but he didn't dude. I, I saw Dokken once over in Japan. They, they, you know, he said it on the show and he's right. They were the fucking Beatles. Yeah. Man. They were the Beatles in Japan. Them and Mr. Big. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw about 15 different bands in Japan. I used to go, we had these military flights that we could take for 10 bucks and go over to Japan. And so I used to go on weekends and see shows if we, if we weren't doing anything, you know, if we didn't have you know work to do, you know, I would jump over to Japan for shows. And I saw some of the biggest bands at the mo at the time were like Skid Row and Guns N' Roses and, you know, I saw all these bands and they were they were popular, but fucking a Dokken was like a whole nother. It the, like the streets were closed when Dokken was coming. Right. Well, when they when they uh, you know re had their reunion in '94 mm -hmm. and they went to Japan, they didn't do the reunion here. No, they went to Japan and it was huge over there. That's yeah. where the, that's where they. Uh, film that dvd that don released on a solo you know or or independently right the, the beast from the east or whatever uh, no 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 it was after like that. a son live japan like a son right? no it was even before that oh what is that one called? no that 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 live from the sun was from the sun theater in in uh california okay but but the one that uh they released solo or or independently was live from japan Right. Is a DVD. Okay. They they did that uh what's the name of that place over there in Japan the the Big uh, Goya? It it starts with a K. With a K. Yeah. The oh the cat what is that place called the catamaran or whatever? It's a it's a um Andu. No, it's a um what the hell is the name of that place? It's a it's it's where the um <laughs> Where where did uh where did Cheap Trick film or um Budokan. Budokan. It's it's in that area. Okay. But they but they were huge over there. Yeah. For that I, mean, I, I saw I saw them at the Big Egg, which was in Nagoya. And that's a big place, dude. Mm hmm And whew, people were going absolutely fucking apeshit over over Dokken. Right. And Mr. Big, too. Mr. Big, I would say Mr. Big was a little bit bigger than Dokken over there at that point. You know, it was like the very, like, 1989 or 90 or whatever it was at that point. Mr. Big was fucking, they were big. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mr. Big. They were Mr. big. They were big. And, and But Dokken was equal. It, it was, it's just funny because Dokken, you know, I knew that back in the States, Dokken was not as big as Skid Row. At that point, were they? Well, they came in late in the eighties, but uh, yeah, Skid Row, the the bands that were big in the late eighties, yeah, in like eighty eight, eighty nine, was Rat mm -hmm. was huge, Dokken was huge, Mister Big was huge, right, and Skid Row was big, right. Those those were some of the bigger bands. Mm-hmm. And and those bands were Skid Row 
Skid Row played in front of what Skid Row played in front of here, like 5,000 over there at, at their, at their, when I saw them, they played at a place that was not 20,000 people. Right. It was a, it was a smaller place, but, but Dokken and Mr. Big played, both played the big egg. Yeah. And, and the place that I'm thinking of is, is a place called Kose Nankin Hall. Oh, I've never been there. Kose, it's K-O-S-E-I. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when they had their big reunion show over there, and it was huge. It might have had a different name back then, too, for all I know. But, yeah, I, I most of the shows I saw were in Nagoya. So don't forget Cats and Boots. <laughs> cats and Boots. Cats and Boots. Yeah. They were not popular they anywhere. Had one, what, they had one album, right? Oh, they had a bunch of records. Did but, they? But nobody has them. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think we have them. If you look on the server, we have like five albums. Okay, I only have one that I know of. But my cats and boots, cats and boots. I have. Well, I only have the one album too. I thought they had more. Kicked and clawed. Yeah, let's see. That's their, you know, their debut. It was, you know, what was the hit on theirs? Uh, let me see here. Cats and boots. I'm looking and I, I don't know any. All the song names look like song names from everybody, every other band. Well, they were right at the very, very end. That uh, Joel, uh, what's his name? Joel something. I met him once. MacGyver? No. I think he's the lead singer. Okay. No one cared about Cats and Boots. <laughs> They were right at the end of the 80s. Yeah. Cats and Boots was not much. Yeah. Motley Crue was big. <laughs> you think? <laughs> no Cats and Boots, but they were pretty big. Actually, I, I got several of their CDs. Cats and Boots? Yeah. I was going to say, I thought we had a I bunch. Was, I wasn't aware that they... Shotgun Sally was the big, the big song for them. Don't know it. Here, let me play a little bit. All right. were good dude but i remember them better when they were called faster pussycat yeah exactly jesus like a clone band yep wow they were right at the end of the 80s yeah dude how many bands got any kind got life only because they came out at the end of the 80s when when anybody could get a record deal well that you know that was the whole thing is that uh you know, the record labels were still signing bands that had a successful formula. Right. The look and basic sound. Sure. 
Because I, I, I still listen to shit like Pretty Boy Floyd. And I don't get it. I don't get why anybody signed that band. No talent musically. Did you think they had any talent musically? No, not at all. And then they had that, that creepy pedophile sounding guy. <laughs> what was that guy's name? Steve Steve Summers? Right. No, the, the uh he was the guitarist. Star player that, that thought I set him up. Right. The guy was like <laughs> <laughs> his fucking name was. Right. I don't remember I don't even remember what his name is. But uh I don't know. There was just a lot of those bands. Alias. No, I didn't think Alias was very good. I know we like Kelly Hansen, but I didn't think Hurricane was all that. Did you like Hurricane? Their first couple of records weren't too bad. Yeah, I know you like this band, but I'd never got Giant. They were okay. Just always so generic by that point. I saw them, though. I saw them open up for uh, White Snake and, and Bad English. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I just heard all those bands, you know, even Firehouse. And I know a lot of people like Firehouse. And I know we like the guys in Firehouse. Yeah, CJ and Bill Everty. Yep. Yeah, we like those guys. But musically, they just were Firehouse. Yeah. I, I, I can't think of one time that I've ever gone to my collection and said, you know what? It's time for a Firehouse record. Sure. I'm going to kill a half hour with fucking whatever the first thing was, Once in a Lifetime or whatever. I don't even know the names of their albums. Don't Treat Me Bad, Once that, in a Lifetime. Don't Treat Me Bad was Firehouse? Yes. I thought that was Trickster. Baby, Don't Treat Me Bad. I thought that was Trickster, no? No. No, Trickster was Give It To Me Good. And Rocking Horse. Yeah. But don't not Don't Treat Me Bad, but Give It To Me Good. Right. That's... <laughs> trickster yeah but it was like 1990 1991 trickster's another band it was all over yeah you know do they get a contract in 1987 I well i don't so. know that they were around because they were they were like 19 when their their album got released oh i know i'm just saying if if they would have come out in 87 yeah they would have got a contract you think you think they were good enough to compete with the early crowd? It's hardly say, but they were right in that whole vein. How about Ugly Kid Joe? See, Ugly Kid Joe kind of did something different. They didn't sound like a hair metal band. No. No, they didn't. But they got signed for the same reason Faith No More True. You know, exploded. Right. They were, they were different. Yeah. They had a little bit of a different groove to them. Right. Yeah. Speaking of that, I have got to get that new Ugly Kid Joe record. I can't find who's working it to get it. And I can't even find it online to buy it. Have you heard it? You I have it? not. I want to get it. I'm a fan. I like Ugly Kid Joe, but they're they're just one of those bands though. I don't think that I don't think they would have made it had they come out at the time with Motley and No, they, they weren't they were not a very commercial type band. Mm -hmm. They they had like a little bit of a different bent about them. Right. Well, but I, I want to go back to those other bands. So do you think that all those other bands that we just named off, your Firehouse, your Alias, your Pretty Boy Floyd, your, you know, all those bands, do they get signed in 1984 to 85 if they came no, out at that No, age? not at all. No. Because they were so generic. Right. You know, and, that, and I think that's... The reason that, you know, for all the bitching everybody does, 
about about you know that grunge killed killed hair metal and whatever. I, I I think hair metal killed hair metal. Well, the thing it was just saturated. The whole the whole genre was saturated, and it was just time for a change. It was it, and but all and all the bands that were coming up, none of them were were catching. No, they weren't that good. They weren't that good, or some of them were very good. They but were just, similar, but not good. Yeah, like McQueen Street. I think McQueen Street was a very good band, but they didn't catch on at all. Because that sound was already kind of over, and like that, what, what's the band that does um, Switchblade Serenade? And oh, um, Spread, Spread Eagle. Eagle. Yeah, yeah, very good band, but that sound had already been done. Yeah, plus they weren't uh, they weren't an L.A. band; they were a New Jersey or New York band. Right. Well, it didn't stop Skid Row, but true. But Skid Row came out what eighty eight. Yeah, well, that's so, the point. Is you know by that by that point, and plus Bon Jovi was behind them, right? That is true. So you know Bon Jovi was behind Cinderella, mm-hmm. and Bon Jovi was behind Skid Row, right? So that was a big, you know, push mm-hmm. to kind of help them along. But you know, L.A. was the hotbed for that type of music, sure, and for. Um, spread eagle to even get any recognition mm-hmm. that was that was kind of a fluke yeah and, and they were good but but i don't think that they were great tiger tails tiger tails one of those bands i think deserved better personally plus, plus they were european though who tiger tails yeah 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 that's what stopped them was that they were not from here but they were good I like those records, the mm-hmm. Tiger Tales, the early Tiger Tales records. I actually have good. some vinyl Tiger Tiger Tales. Those are good records, man. Mm-hmm. But you know, and I and I know you hated all the grunge stuff, but I I was ready for it. I was a I was an Alice in Chains fan. I like Chains. I like Nirvana. I like See, I wasn't shit. a big Nirvana fan. I I didn't dig that. I I liked the first Pearl Jam record, the first one. Mm-hmm. wasn't i even though i owned the other pearl jam records like the third and fourth versus, one but right. i wasn't big fan i love versus that's that's the pearl jam record for me but but i i, I liked all i liked all that stuff i loved nine inch nails and whatever you know i you know how i am with music dude i adapt to anything that sure. comes out and and you know i just think though that that the scene the scene shifted and the bands didn't. And by the bands, by the time the bands tried to, it was already too late. If you think about think about when all of those bands that were naming that were big actually shifted, it was already when grunge was starting to die down when they started doing grunge records. True. You know, Dawkins did fucking Shadow Life in what, 80s, 97? Yeah, it was 96, I think. 96, well, that was, you know, that was already five, six years in. It was already too late. And warrant with um, belly to belly, belly to belly, or ultraphobic, either oh, one. Right. You know, those are like ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. Right. Right. It's already too late. You know, those those bands missed their mark, and I don't think they'd have made it anyway. You know, if Bob Seger did a fucking disco record, I don't think it would have ever hit. Well, what what's funny is that uh, dysfunctional from Dokken, since we're talking right. Dokken, mm-hmm. came out in ninety five. And it, it sold a half a million right? during that era. Which yeah, it was is, great with, for that with, era. For that era, that was pretty damn good. Yeah. 
See, May Kay in the chat room says L.A. Guns. L.A. Guns did about the best record of all of them in that era with Vicious Circle. Yeah, Vicious Circle was a heavy record for L.A. Guns. That record fucking smokes. There was nothing glam about that record. That was just a straight-up almost metal record. Definitely my favorite record in their catalog. Love it. That 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 record just fucking rules. Long time dead. I think, I think that came song. out like in 92, didn't it? It was right when the grunge thing started. Yeah, about 92. 92 came, out, came out in 92, and that was pretty much the end of the line for L.A. Guns for a while. Yep. Great record, though. L.A. Guns one of the bands that other than when they did that horrible singer change. Yeah. They've been pretty consistently good. Pretty much. I can't think of anything other than that. I don't even consider that L.A. Guns, but have they done anything that was bad other than that? Not really. Even when they had Ralph on, you know, lead vocal and they did that EP. And it wasted EP. Yeah, that wasted. That was a really good record. That was real good. The Jizzy things, Shrinking Violet was really good. Shrinking Violet was a good record. Yeah, those are all good records. You know, even the last, what was the last one? Hollywood Forever or whatever. Yeah. With the artwork that looked like somebody threw some shit on the lawn and took a picture. (laughs) You know, that's a good record with a shitty record cover. But yeah, Ellie Guns was good, man. One of my favorite bands ever. I know, but but that's that has as much to do with your friendship as it does their music. Yeah, but I wouldn't have gotten to be friends with them if I wasn't such a huge fan, though. True. Yeah. I like them. Don't always haven't always liked Tracy, but I I like. Yeah, I still I still tweet back and forth with Tracy now and again. Tracy's all right. He's I mean, back. Yeah. He's back in. Uh, he's back in the uh, uh, rating the rock vault thing. Is he? Yeah, he's back now. Is he still doing the the League of Gentlemen? Le- or well, that's sort of like a little project thing. But right now, as of like a week ago. Yeah. He's back in the rating of the rock vault. Is he not doing Gunzo? No. He he did a little run with that with uh, Rudy Sarzo. Right. They did a couple of shows here, a few shows here in the U.S., did a few shows over in Europe. Right. And now he's back in uh, Vegas doing uh, rating the rock vault. Okay. Hey, good on him. Yeah. He's making some money. Making his, making his checks. That's but what you makes- know what? The thing is, is... is Tracy Guns is not a quote unquote recognizable guitarist. No. But to watch him live and see him play guitar live. Yeah, he can play. That guy's a that guy's a monster. He can play. He, he can def- play. He can play and you know, I mean I'm not I've not him and I have not got along. <laughs> Let's just call I've it. I've always what it is. got along with Tracy for some reason. Back in the back in the early, well, I'm going to say the mid '90s when I started the CMS, mm-hmm. he and I became uh, pretty good friends. Yeah, and I, and I and I got over my deal with him, or we sort of mutually forgot about it, or whatever. I guess, but because neither one of us ever apologized. <laughs> but but um, the guy could play, and and more importantly than that. And I didn't really notice it until the the one tour when Jizzy was in the band. That dude is wildly creative. He is. He's good. That shit that he was doing with what is that thing called where he he like moves his hand and it's it makes a ther- the noise. It's a theremin. It's a it's a Jimmy Page thing. Yeah. That was it. The therapin. Theremin. Theremin. 
that shit that he did in the middle of that show where he was sort of mixing in his guitar solo with that thing and that was cool man yeah that's that goes back to zeppelin i know it goes i i know that but i mean i'm saying what he was doing yeah, with it he, he does it very well very cool stuff and, and a very creative player you know i mean the the la gun stuff is not just straight up riffing i mean he he does a lot of creative soloing yeah yeah he's a talented guy and i'm glad that me and him don't fight no more <laughs> Well, I like I, I like Tracy. I've invited him on the show, and he's just like, yeah, anytime, man, anytime. But yeah, he's anytime. he's been out there chasing around with that Gunzo thing with uh, Rudy Sarzo, and now, he, like I said, last week I think he rejoined uh, raiding the Rock Vault. Okay. So, but the whole thing he did with League of Gentlemen the last yeah. you know three or four years, mm-hmm. love that stuff. That stuff's cool. Very different, and that's what I like, that it's so different, that it's not just another schlock rock thing, you know, that it, that it was something different and challenging for him. Good players, man. I feel very fortunate that after all these years between you and I, we've got to know and, you know, be friends some of these artists 